Hey folks, Andy Patton here. Two more members of Gonzaga's starting lineup, Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard, have officially declared for the 2022 NBA Draft. We're going to talk about what that means for the Zags in today's episode, while also closing out the week with some baseball talk and sharing another fan story in our new weekly segment, all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who have continued to make Locked On Zags your first listen of the day, as well as those of you who have checked the show out on our YouTube channel. It is up close to 600 subscribers. The goal is 1,000. We are hoping to get there before the start of the college basketball season, so plenty of time, but no real reason to wait. It's a fantastic resource to see all of the episodes laid out, organized in different playlists, and so on. So if you have not done it yet, just go to youtube.com, search Locked on Zags, Find the channel, hit that subscribe button. It'll be a great resource for you and will help me out a ton. So I really, really appreciate it. All right. Segment one, we're sticking with basketball before we switch and start talking about baseball in the other segments. But today was a big day as I'm recording this on Thursday afternoon. Two of Gonzaga's five starters from last season, Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nembhard, have officially declared for the 2022 NBA draft, which now means that four of Gonzaga's five starters have now declared for the draft. We'll start with Chet Holmgren. This was far, far and away the easiest decision that any Zag has ever made. The most 99.9, etc., etc., percent likelihood that Chet Holmgren was going to leave. The only other player I think that was this certain was Jalen Suggs uh, when he left early, of course, last season. Chet posted a wonderful, wonderful post on his uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, everywhere. It was like four pages long, thanking everybody, thanking the coaching staff, thanking his teammates, his friends, his family, the Kennel Club, trainers, everything. Very nice message, clearly well thought out. Uh, everybody has written good messages. Drew Timmy's was nice. We see these. This is the kind of time of the year where you see these. Julian Strother had his. Andrew Nempard had his. We'll talk about momentarily. I thought Chet's was fantastic for a guy who was only in college for one year, who, you know, di- di- didn't acclimate to the Gonzaga community for as long as many other players in this program's history have done. You know, he wasn't here as long as Drew Timmy. He wasn't here as long as most of the players that have gone on to have great success out of Gonzaga. They haven't had a lot of one and dones. Uh, and he's somewhat unique in that regard. And for him to still show that kind of love for the Gonzaga community. And it comes off very genuine. Obviously, you know, it's it's easier to make something sound genuine when you're writing it down uh, or posting it on the internet, but it's still based on everything we know about Chet. It felt so genuine to me. It felt like he really acclimated well to the Spokane community. He was happy there. The fans obviously loved him for not just his performance on the court, but his kind of demeanor off the court, his his willingness to come to Gonzaga and play, not necessarily the immediate star role that wasn't his role 
at all, really. I mean, he was kind of always the second fiddle, even in the front court, to Drew Timmy, at least offensively. He was obviously a star defensively. And I don't mean to say that he wasn't a star offensively either. He was. He just wasn't the man, whereas he could have gone to a lot, a lot of other programs at the Division One level and still been the man, the primary option. So for him to not be willing to come to a school where he didn't take on that role and still have such a monumental impact on and off the floor and then send out this great loving message kind of to everybody in the in the fan base was, is wonderful. Uh, he did not specify whether he's hiring an agent, but we're not we're not going to play that game. Chet Holmgren is gone. He has played his final game in a Gonzaga uniform. There was 0.0% doubt about that at the end of the season. He is gone. He is going to be a top five I think comfortably top three pick in the 2022 NBA draft. And we're going to have tons, tons of conversations leading up to the draft about Chet Holmgren, about team fits, about how his workouts are going. We're going to talk to draft experts. We're going to have them on this show. I'm going to go on their shows. We're going to talk a bunch about that. That is Today is not the episode for that. Today is a thank you to Chet Holmgren for sending out a nice message for making this declaration, uh, and then a little bit of a look at what's what's next. So we're going to move on to Andrew Nampard. We're going to talk about him, and then we'll talk a little bit about what this means for Gonzaga. Andrew Nampard is also gone. Gone, gone. He has declared for the NBA draft for now the third time in his career. There is a rule. This is a, a not very well-known rule because it hasn't happened all that often. But if you declare for the draft three times, you no longer have the ability to return to school. So even though Nempard does have an additional year of eligibility thanks to the COVID-19 rule that allows these players to have a fifth year, Nempard has exhausted that eligibility by declaring for the NBA draft. It is official. He is gone. Now, I never thought that Andrew Nembhard was going to come back. I thought the only player who was more certainly gone than Andrew Nembhard was Chet Holmgren. And I think that's what I want the message to be here. Drew Timmy and Julian Strother have declared for the NBA draft. Neither of them are 100% gone. In fact, I think at this point, both of them are closer to 50-50 than they are certainly gone. I don't know if either of them will be back. I don't know if both of them will be back. It's it's unclear at this point. I think I'm leaning that it's more likely that Julian Strother returns than leaves. I'm leaning it's more likely that Drew Timmy leaves than returns, but both of those things are relatively close to 50-50. But all along, the assumption has been that both Chet Holmgren and Andrew Nempard are going to leave. Nempard also had a very nice message. He was quoted in ESPN talking about his love of Gonzaga and his decision to, to leave and go pro and basically said, it's time, it's time for me to pursue other opportunities, which I absolutely understand for him. And he also kind of, he made a nice shout out kind of saying it's time for the younger guards at Gonzaga to step up. Like, I don't want to hinder them anymore. It is their time to shine. And I thought that was a very nice sentiment for Nempard. I think he truly means it and believes it, but also it kind of reinforces that conversation that we've had on this podcast and a lot of other people have been discussing that this backcourt is Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas' next year. They are the guys, you know, and, and Nembhard doesn't necessarily have any inside information about that specifically, but in his mind, he's leaving the program in part because he knows there are two dudes who can step into starting roles in this guard rotation and kill it. He has absolute confidence that these two guys are going to come in, take over big roles, and that Gonzaga is going to be just fine. I don't think he he was never going to say anything mean, obviously, but he would he didn't have to say that. 
I think it's when you look at quotes from athletes, especially in situations like this, where you you know they're going to be polite, you know they're you know they're not going to burn any bridges or whatever. But you kind of look at what things they maybe were goaded into saying and what things that they maybe offered on their own. And in my mind, Andrew Nempart offered on his own the belief that Gonzaga's backcourt is in good hands with him leaving. He didn't have to say that. The fact that he chose to say that, I think, says a lot about him and his character and his belief in in these two players. I, I think that's really a big sentiment in my mind and something that I thought was pretty significant that he chose to bring that up. So two guys gone, potentially four guys gone, honestly, potentially five guys gone. There's a very realistic chance that Gonzaga is going to return zero of their starters from last year's roster. Right now, Andrew Nempart is the only one, technically, who is 100% ineligible to return to Gonzaga. Chet Holmgren, 99.9, etc., is going to be gone. So that's two guys who are basically gone. Julian Strother, again, still no specific clarity. I think he's likely just testing the waters and going to come back. He's not really showing up on a lot of mock drafts outside of the mid to late second round. Drew Timmy, not showing up on a lot of mock drafts either, but also may not have a lot to gain from returning to Gonzaga, so he may opt to still go the professional route regardless. Roz Bolton, probably not an NBA player, but also a guy who's been in college for a long time and may opt to pursue professional opportunities, either potentially trying to get into the NBA or the G League or going overseas and starting his professional career that way. Don't know exactly what's going on with the two wings with Bolton and Strother necessarily, but definitely something to keep an eye on. But for right now, a huge hats off, a huge kudos to Nempart and Chet Holmgren, two of the best to ever put on a Gonzaga uniform, two guys who are going to have very successful careers, whether it's in the NBA, whether it's somewhere else, what have you. Chet Holmgren certainly going to be in the NBA. Andrew Nempard, a little unclear. Again, we're going to do tons more draft content, draft prep, talk to experts who have watched Andrew Nempard, who are professionals at analyzing draft talent and have them give their thoughts on Andrew Nempard and his potential pr- professional career. But for right now, I just wanted to give those two guys a shout outs for being two of the best to ever put on a Gonzaga uniform. All right, we're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to talk about Gonzaga's baseball team, number 12 team in the country, split a pair with the Oregon State Beavers last week. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Built Bar. This is the time of the year that I've pretty much given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. In fact, all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from 2 to 300 calories. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. They have mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious and new flavors are coming out all the time. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, segment two. Still any patents, still locked on Zags, switching over to talk about the Gonzaga baseball team. Try to give them at least one segment per week. 
Lately, they have merited more than that because they have been killing it. Absolutely killing it. The big update for the baseball team right now, they are the number 12 ranked team in the country per D1 baseball. This is the highest ranking in Coach Metcalf's career as the Gonzaga baseball coach. He's been there for a really long time. And for him to have now achieved his highest rating is an incredible testament to him, to the coaching staff, to the players that have come through the program. They have put a lot of really good players into the professional ranks. Marco Gonzalez pitches for the Seattle Mariners. Cody Martin, Tyler Olson, both former Mariners, both former big leaguers. Uh, Eli Morgan for the Cleveland Indians, or excuse me, Cleveland Guardians right now. They have Brandon Bailey, who was a previous guest of the ScoreZag Score podcast before I brought it over here. Tons of guys in the big leagues. Those guys helped pave the way for this program to be in the position that they are right now. Somewhat different from basketball, there's a lot of different places that do rankings for baseball. Uh, And I follow an account called College Baseball Hub on Instagram. Highly recommended if you're interested in Gonzaga baseball or just college baseball in general. Tons of really good content highlights all of that, giving them a free shout out here on the show. But one of the things that they post is they composite rankings every week that calculates six different sites that do top 25 rankings. They mash them all together. They average them out. Gonzaga came out 10th on the composite rankings and a couple other places that had them ranked pretty high. Perfect Game Baseball had them 7th in the country. NCBWA had them 10th. College Baseball Nation, which is a magazine, they had them 8th. Baseball America had them 12th. USA Today had them 11th. So this program is getting a lot of love from a lot of other places. Now, I wanted to note that two other publications who did top 25 rankings did not have the Zags ranked. The Zags were the highest composite team that didn't show up on somebody's top 25, and there was two places that didn't rank them. I found this funny. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I'm, I follow enough of college baseball nationally to know exactly where Gonzaga should be or what the argument for not having them ranked is, but... We, we as Gonzaga fans are somewhat familiar with getting discounted for things like our schedule and not being a Power 5 SEC, you know, ACC, Pac-12 program, which is, you know, part of what a lot of these places are probably more likely to rank some of the mid-tier SEC or mid-tier Pac-12 programs instead of somebody like Gonzaga. I just think it's funny. I don't know all of the details. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this topic here, but I do find it interesting that Gonzaga was far and away the highest ranked composite program that didn't make it on somebody's top 25. It feels like something that Gonzaga fans are familiar with. Let's put it that way. Another update for the Zags. William Kempner threw a bullpen on Wednesday. The report that I saw said that he could be back in as soon as seven to 10 days for the Zags. This is a big update for Gonzaga. He is their Sunday starter and he has made three starts this season. He was fantastic. In those three starts, 1.69 ERA, 12 strikeouts in 16 innings before he went down with the finger injury, which is why he has been out for a while. Now, Owen Wilde has been who has replaced him on Sunday starts for the Zags. He's been fantastic in that role, so it's not like Gonzaga has taken a significant dip without having Kempner on the bump, but getting him back just gives Gonzaga another weapon. It means they can use Wilde in relief, potentially. It means he could start some of those Tuesday games going to be a big benefit for the Zags to have Kempner back in the mix. And now let's talk about what happened last week. The Zags are now 24 and 10 on the season. They took two of three from the pilots of Portland, and then they split that weekday 
mini series with the Beavers one and one. I will start with the UP series. They won five to three on Friday. We knew that would be a great pitching matchup, and indeed it was. The Zags had to score two in the eighth in order to secure the victory. Gabriel Hughes, who's been one of the best pitchers in all of Division One baseball this season. Six innings pitch. He gave up three runs, but none of them were earned, which likely means there was an error in the field that contributed to those runs scoring. He had 10 strikeouts and four walks, an outstanding performance from him. Saturday was another day that we thought would probably be a pretty good pitching matchup. UP is a better pitching team than they are a hitting team. While Gonzaga has been very good with the stick lately, they are also a very, very good pitching team. So, of course, on Saturday, 2-1, to one, that's kind of the game that we expected to see. UP scored their second run in the ninth inning to secure a victory there. So it was 1-1 one to one for most of the game. Uh, Tristan Vreeling, who has also been just incredible this season for Gonzaga, he's taken a huge leap up on drafts. Draft boards is now considered a very, very good potential baseball prospect. Uh, he had a fantastic game. Eight scoreless innings for Vreeling. One walk, eight strikeouts against the Pilots. Just mowed them down. Really nice game, even though, unfortunately, you, uh, Gonzaga could not get the bats going and lost that one. They closed out the series with a 5-2 win on Sunday. Shea Kramer hit a two-run triple in the first inning, helped establish the scoring for the Zags. And again, Owen Wilde, who is probably soon going to lose a weekend starting spot, even though he was outstanding in this game. Six innings, two earned runs, six strikeouts, and one walk. So Wild gave up two earned runs. Those were the only two earned runs that any of Gonzaga's starting pitching gave up over the entire weekend. Hughes gave up three runs, but none of them were earned. Freeling gave up one run, but it was not earned. Owen Wild, two runs. Those are the only two earned runs scored on Gonzaga starting pitching this weekend. Just a testament to how outstanding the pitching has been for Gonzaga this season. Shout out to pitching coach Brandon Harmon, a former guest of the podcast who has this team absolutely cooking on the bump this season. And then, of course, the Zags got an opportunity to play the number two or number three, depending on the ranking site that you're looking at. Oregon State Beavers, one of the biggest powerhouses in all of college baseball for the last 15 years at this point. They have been a powerhouse for a very long time. Uh, I've mentioned on the show before that those Monday-Tuesday games are often a little bit wonky because teams are not throwing their best pitchers out on the bump because they throw them over the weekend. Uh, we definitely saw some of that wonkiness in these two games. The Zags did win the first game 13-6. to It was 11-6 to after three innings. Three innings in, and there was already 17 combined run scores. That's the kind of thing that you see, uh, especially on a Monday game where the teams are pretty gassed after playing over the weekend. Uh, this was a pretty pretty strange game. Shout out to Gonzaga's bullpen. Jacob Rutherford and Nico Zeglin combined for seven and two-thirds innings. They only gave up one run, and they struck out 11. That is how Gonzaga won this game. Starting pitching was struggled, but the two guys who came in out of the pen shut it down and earned or excuse me earned Gonzaga a huge win over the Beavers of Oregon State. They rebounded with a loss, unfortunately, 9-4 to in the second game. Cade McGee hit a home run in the first inning, but Oregon State's bats just came alive. It was kind of inevitable. Gonzaga had thrown so much, so much good pitching 
Friday through Monday, they had been absolutely excellent on the bump. So you kind of knew that it would fall apart a little bit. It's just hard to pitch really well for five consecutive days. Uh, still a major shout out to the Zags. Uh, for beating Oregon State at all, for taking two out of three from the Pilots. That's a really, really nice week of games for Gonzaga. They got St. Mary's this weekend in Moraga. St. Mary's is 21-16 and 16 on the year, but only 5-10 and 10 in conference play. I'd make a joke about them not scheduling a good non-conference slate because that's the kind of joke that we like to toss St. Mary's way, particularly involving, of course, Randy Bennett and the basketball program. Regardless, St. Mary's pretty decent squad. They've put some really high-profile players in the major leagues. For those of you who do pay attention to Major League Baseball, you've probably heard of Corbin Burns. He's a starting pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers, one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. He is a St. Mary's graduate. Exciting games coming up for the Zags. Uh, Kempter probably won't be back in time for the series against the Gales, but hopefully he'll be back after that in time for this team to continue to prep for the potential to host a regional, something they have never done but are on pace to do this season. All right, we're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to finish out the week sharing a listener-submitted story about their Gonzaga fandom, a segment that I want to do at least once a week, hopefully hopefully at least once a week or at least once two or three times a month, just letting letting people share their stories of Gonzaga fandom. We're going to come back in the third segment. We're going to talk about that. Before we get there, though, let's talk about Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still in Patton, still locked on Zags, and we're going to start with the second episode with this segment in it. I initially brought this up last week as just an opportunity for people to share stories. Mostly the kind of goal of these was to share stories about interactions that folks have had with Zags, whether it's an interaction they've had with a coach or a former coach or a player or a former player or meeting people that they've talked to on Gonzaga Twitter in person, in real life, as just some story of running into somebody else who also is a Gonzaga fan. I left it intentionally very open-ended because I, I wasn't sure what the response would look like. Over 60 responses on Twitter, just on the tweet alone. Tons of people in my DMs, tons of people emailing me. It's been fantastic genuinely fantastic, heartwarming to hear these stories, to to not, not just because the stories themselves are heartwarming, but just knowing that people are so eager and excited to share their stories, to talk about their Gonzaga fandom. I think it's a very, very cool thing. I think college sports fandoms are very intimate and very personal to a lot of people, whether they're alumni or not. And I think especially a school like Gonzaga that is so small that the community is is not as as big as it is at like a UW or an Alabama or something like that. It's it's smaller 
And, and I think that it really brings out these very passionate fans. And I think it's really fun to, to get the opportunity to kind of share those stories. Last week, I shared a story from a listener who had ran into Mark Few at Potbelly in Portland uh, the days before the Georgia State and Memphis games in Portland. Uh, and that particular person had was unable to get tickets to the game. Mark Few heard that, shared that with them, and got them tickets to go to the games. I thought that was a wonderful story. Today's story is a little bit different. It's more of just a story about how somebody became a fan of Gonzaga. I welcome any stories that you have. I know that this kind of is very similar to the segment that Stephen Carr had as the former host of Locked on Zag. So it's going to sound kind of similar to that today, but I think that that's fantastic. And I think any opportunities to give people to share their stories about their Gonzaga fandom is something that people love and people like to enjoy. And so I think it's a nice way to end the week on Fridays. It probably won't always be on Fridays. I think my plan is to hopefully have it be on Thursdays, but every week's going to be a little bit different. So we'll see how it ends up shaking out. But today I'm going to share a story from Larry, who is a frequent Mailbag Monday question asker via Gmail. Uh, And here's his story. He says, we're quoting now, Here's my Zags story, not that exciting or heartwarming, but an example of how the Zags have captured followers from around the country. I'm a former high school referee and followed Colorado high school basketball for decades. I attended the 4A-5A high school state tournament every year. Matt Bolden was a star 5A player and led his high school to a state championship. I saw him play several times in high school, one of my favorite players. Off he goes to a school I had barely heard of, Gonzaga. My reaction, where the heck is Gonzaga? I wanted to follow his college career and some Zag games were on TV here in the Denver area. I was hooked. I've been following them ever since. Most of their WCC games are on Rocky Mountain Sports and I have my TV set to record all Zags games. In 2013, we vacationed to the Northwest with a stop in Spokane, toured the campus, student center, gift shop, purchased hats, sweatshirt, other Zag stuff, and we went to the McCarthy Arena but could only watch a couple players shooting hoops through the gates on the concourse. My son and granddaughter visited the school when she was considering attending but didn't, and they got into a game in 2017. Fast forward to Josh Perkins, another Colorado kid who had a good career at Gonzaga, and today I'm still watching and picking them for the Final Four every year and a consistent locked-on Zags listener. Go Zags. So I love this story for a lot of reasons, Larry. Thank you so much for sharing it. I I appreciate that, of course. Uh, I think it's hard. People are not always fans of a school because they are alumni of the school, and I think that with Gonzaga, my my suspicion is that a higher percentage of fans of Gonzaga are alumni than at, you know, your Alabamas or your Washingtons, as I used as a previous example, because those schools kind of encapsulate the whole state. If you live in Alabama, you're a fan of either Alabama or Auburn, regardless of whether you went to those schools or went to college at all. It's somewhat it's similar in most states. In Oregon, you're either a Ducks fan or a Beavers fan. In Washington, you're pretty often either a Cougars fan or a Huskies fan. But that's not the case for everybody. And so for people who are Gonzaga fans who didn't go to Gonzaga, I think that that's really cool to get to see those stories of how they became Gonzaga fans. And in this case, it's Matt Bolden. Larry, I love this story for another reason, which is that we share our timeline of being Gonzaga fans. I My first year as a student at Gonzaga was Matt Bolden's senior year. But I had started following Gonzaga a few years prior to attending. So I kind of started following the program 
right after the Adam Morrison crying in the UCLA game, the 2007-2008 teams, Jeremy Pargo, Micah Downs. Those kind of years were when I first started following the program. And then my first year again was Bolden senior year. So we've kind of been on a similar trajectory. I love that you have made it out to Spokane. That's very, very cool to get that opportunity. Uh, And again, I appreciate obviously that you continue to be a listener uh, and that you've shared your story. If anybody else has stories, whether it's a story of running into somebody who's affiliated with Gonzaga, whether it's just your story of your fandom, whatever it may be, if you think that I would like to share it on the podcast and you're willing to let me do so, please, please, please reach out to me. You can send me a message on Twitter at ScoreZagScore or at LockedOnZags. You can email me at AndyPatton013 at gmail.com. I have a couple other stories lined up for the next couple of times we do this, but please, please, please reach out uh, and hopefully we can share more Zag stories on the podcast, especially to close out the week. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Mailbag coming up next week. We're going to continue our player wrap-ups. We got five or six more of those to go, and then we're going to get right into NBA draft prep, transfer portal news, all the fun stuff that's going on in the early stages of the Gonzaga basketball offseason, all right here on the Locked on Zags podcast. Thank you again to those of you who have made Locked on Zags your first listen every day. Now make your second listen the Locked on NBA draft podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags!